Morning, everyone. Morning. Buenos dias desde España. Good morning from Spain and here in Redondo Beach. You know, my wife Karen grew up in this church, started attending as a very young child, very involved with her family. Uh, she tells a story about how when her mom would go out for an errand, go to the bank, go to a doctor appointment, they would accidentally show up in the church parking lot because that was the default destination for their activity. And also St. Andrews has been involved in us uh, as a couple for the last 37 years. We've been serving in Spain. We've served in three provinces. We've served in Segovia. We've served in a province capital called Albacete and also now in the province capital of Toledo. And through all 37 years, St. Andrews has had an impact in those three Spanish provinces. And that's uh, really exciting. Uh, what has been accomplished as lives have been touched. And the name of our church in Toledo is called in Spanish, Catorce Seis Vida, 14-6 Life, in reference to John 14-6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And I know that you're going through, as David has already explained, through John. I've gotten to hear messages in the message in the Gospel of John by Peter, by Simon, by David. I've been blessed by them, and it's a privilege for me to have shown up on October 8th to be able to speak about the resurrection of Lazarus. But even before we get to John chapter 11, I would like to read from John chapter 20, because John the Apostle does something very interesting because he states at the end of the gospel what his purpose was in writing the gospel of John. I'm going to read two verses from John chapter 20. They're verses 30 and 31. It says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He makes it so clear why he wrote the Gospel of John, stating it in those two verses. And he talks about the signs. He did many other signs, but you're probably aware of this, but John records seven signs that Jesus did. You've, I'm sure you've been studying them, the seven signs. I'm just going to look down at the list so I don't have to be nervous trying to remember them. But there was, first of all, the conversion of water to wine the healing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda, the healing of the nobleman's son, the feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, healing of the blind man, and the seventh, today's passage, the raising of Lazarus. So John says that he recorded those seven signs so that we might believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, might have life in his name. And so right now I would like to read the passage in John chapter 11. There have been two previous messages. David spoke about a time of waiting and Simon about how God is in control. Now we're at verse 38 and we will read John 11:38 to 44, which say, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, 
By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Didn't I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So we see right there at the beginning in verse 38 that Jesus was moved and he was moved in probably different senses. One, he identified with Martha and Mary who had lost their brother. He was very close to this family of siblings, the three siblings that they were. And then also he was just moved thinking about the situation of humanity that we're all subject to death. I was thinking there are eight billion people in the world and if Jesus does not come before, all of us are going to die. We're all subject to death. So Jesus was faced looking at the uh, situation of fallen humanity and experiencing the severe consequences of our sin in Adam and sins of our own commission. And so he is deeply moved. Also, some of the commentators point out that there's a nuance of anger in this Greek word translated deeply moved. And so perhaps he was angry at Satan for having allowed, having brought sin into the world and so that humanity would experience all of its terrible consequences. But he was deeply moved when he came to the tomb. And it's interesting that it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Really, this sets up a confrontation between Jesus and death. He's looking at death straight on. The stone is before him. And then he says those words, take away the stone. Now we get the reaction of Martha, the brother of the deceased. No, you can't. It's been four days since he's been in there. He's going to smell bad. Let's not do that. And it was intentional on Jesus' part that he should have been in that grave so long so that his sign would even be more clear because in verse 6, it was, it was interesting to read John eleven six. yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He intentionally stayed longer where he was before coming to see Martha and Mary. And she objects, but Jesus responds, didn't I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Now, this is very interesting. When did he say that to Martha, that if she believed, he, she would see the glory of God? Martha and Mary, in verse John eleven three, 3, sent a messenger to Jesus. 
And it says in 11.3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And Jesus, we have his recorded response in 11.4, responded, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Those words evidently pronounced to the messenger, evidently relayed to Martha and Mary. And so Jesus had, in fact, communicate that if she believed, she would see the Son of God glorified. And so the sisters had to give consent. The stone wouldn't have been removed. And so they were ready. They were ready to see the glory of the Son of God. The stone was removed. And then Jesus pronounces this prayer. He's doing everything really so that the people would believe that he is the Son of God. He's the one who's come in the world to overcome death. And so he prays out loud, audibly, and we've heard it. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. He's setting the stage. He's doing everything so that he can perform this sign. The Son of God could be glorified. So he could be recognized as the one God had sent in the world. A world really in anguish, suffering the consequences of sin, living in this fallen world. And then we come to that climatic verse, which we're all familiar with, in verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And he probably was not saying that for the benefit of Lazarus. He was probably saying it so everyone around could hear and recognize what was occurring. It was so that they could see that he was overcoming death, raising Lazarus. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. You know, this event also shows the reconciliation of the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. Because just think, you probably never thought of this, I'd never thought of this, but what if Lazarus had heard the voice from within the tomb and decided, no, he was not going to come out. He was going to stay in there. And so he had to respond. And so we see that mystery, the authoritative word of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lazarus, come out. Who's going to disobey the Lord Jesus Christ? But Lazarus still had that human responsibility, did need to respond, did need to come out. And so that's also what's going on with regard of the presentation of this great sign that you cannot just sit there and do nothing. You have to respond to the evidence of the sign. And John said, I wrote all these signs down so that you may believe. And so there is a human responsibility before the evidence of the sign. And then the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
You know, that is, can be reminiscent of a new birth occurring in a local church. Someone is born again by their faith in Christ and they're identified with Christ's death and resurrection. And so they've been raised with Christ spiritually so that they can walk in the new life, the Apostle Paul says. And so in the church, as people come to faith, we are there helping these new people, as it were, taking off their grave clothes, helping them to walk in their new life. And we continue to help one another. We continue to help one another because we tend to forget who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is very impactful to remember that we have died with Christ, we have been buried with Christ, we have been risen with him. And like Paul also says, Christ, I no longer live, Christ lives within me. And so we go on reminding each other who we are in Christ. And I'm going to read just the following verse. This is actually outside of the passage. Perhaps uh, Pastor Peter's gonna include this in, our, in his message. He's the one who will be speaking next week. It says, therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. And so what we have there is the result that Jesus was looking for. He prayed audibly. He told Martha, if you believe, you will see the Son of God glorified. It's important that one recognize that Jesus is the one sent by God into the world because he's the one who's going to save the world. He's in the process of redeeming the world. We sang this morning, he's, he has done great things. He's doing great things. And probably we would have to admit he's going to do even greater things in the future when our salvation is culminated. And so it had that desired effect that people would put their faith in him. This miracle reminds me of an event that took place in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, you probably remember Mark chapter 2, Jesus was talking to a paralytic and he said, your sins are forgiven. And then the teachers of the law, what are you saying? How, who are you forgiving sins? Only God can forgive sins. And so then what did Jesus say? Well, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, rise, take up your mat, and go home. And the man did. And so they could see that he had authority to forgive sins. And in the same way, what we're seeing here is that by the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, a very concrete case, one single person raised from the dead does evidence that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And so it's Jesus who is going to totally resolve the situation of fallen man in a fallen world, a fallen creation. The creation longs to, for the revealing of the children of God. In Romans 8 it says, 
And so it's on account of Jesus that the creation is going to be delivered and the children of God are going to experience their physical resurrection. And so just as we've contemplated how Lazarus was raised from the dead, we could also remember that we have been raised spiritually. As we know, God's work is already and not yet. Uh, a lot has been accomplished, but we haven't been totally delivered from our physical body and our sin. But that will take place. And so we can think about how uh, Jesus has risen from the dead and we've been identified with his resurrection and so that we, like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead physically, we can remember that we have been raised spiritually. And so, we are driven back just to this uh, great event the seventh of the seven signs that John relates. And uh, it's up to us, like Lazarus in the tomb, to respond to the seven signs, believing. And then if we have believed, to seek to realize all that our spiritual resurrection has meant, and then also to be consoled by the fact that Christ is going to come back. It reminds me of two verses, and with these two verses, I will close. There's a verse in John 5, 28, 29, that says that you, which I'll just go ahead and read, and this will take place. Do, no, do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So isn't that interesting that just as Jesus was before the tomb of Lazarus, in his second coming, everyone from their graves will hear his voice and come out, either to rise to live or to rise to be condemned, really depending upon how we've responded to the seven signs that John has presented. And there's another verse, too, which is uh, parallel in a certain way to what we have seen in John 11. It's 1 Thessalonians 4.16. And 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Isn't that what we've just read about, a loud command? Will come down from heaven with a loud command, and the dead in Christ will rise. And so, it's up to us to respond to those signs that John has related to us. Now, we could say, that if I had been there, I could have seen the event, I would have had an opportunity to believe the people who were there were present, they got to see the event, they believed. But really, if the Apostle John were here this morning, he would say, 
precisely for that reason I wrote my gospel. I've written those seven signs, so even though we're only present remotely, we have the opportunity to participate in God's wonderful program. We would have to say that Christ coming in the world is not a regional event. It's not an event at the state level of California. It's not a national event. It's not even an international event. It's a cosmic event, Christ coming into the world. And John, the evangelist, writing these seven signs makes us aware of the great things far beyond what we can imagine that God is doing through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to give thanks now for those of us who have believed in Christ. We've experienced a spiritual resurrection. One day we'll experience a physical resurrection and we would encourage anyone who has not yet believed in Christ based on this sign because really we could say that the account of the raising of Lazarus is the Gospel of John in miniature. He does a sign so that people will believe that he has been sent by God, he is the Christ, and so that believing in him they may have eternal life. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the wonderful things you have done through the Lord Jesus Christ, sending him into the world. And Lord, we recognize ourselves as sinners, grateful those of us who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you that we've been raised spiritually. We await that physical resurrection when Christ's voice will be spoken and the dead in Christ will rise, rise for eternal life. Thank you for making eternal life possible. Thank you that we can live in the new creation that you are preparing. And we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen.